You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everybody? It is the Peacock and Williamson podcast with a twist today. (laughs) Uh, The voice that you're hearing right now is very clearly not Brian Peacock. Hello, everyone. I am Ross Jackson host of Locked On Saints, the Tuesday host over at Locked On NFL. So today, it is the Jackson and Williamson podcast, joined as always by the guy himself, former NFL scout and one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my entire life, Matt Williamson, who you can follow on Twitter at Williamson NFL. How are you, buddy? I am fantastic. Thank you very much for filling in, as is the case across the country. A lot of people are on vacation. That's true for my man BP as well. So we're bringing in the pinch hitter, and I'm psyched. This is going to be fun. We'll talk a little Saints, but we'll do other stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. We have some big stories around Fred Warner, one of BP's own, actually, uh, the yeah. linebacker there getting a lucrative contract extension. We'll talk a bit about that. We'll go a little bit more uh, into the Cam Akers injury, what it means for the Rams and who could potentially end up filling that role for them, whether on or off the roster. And then, of course, we'll talk a little bit of New Orleans Saints because there are just some teams out there that have interesting uh, storylines going into camp. And then there are the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> yeah, they, they certainly are one of the more interesting teams. And uh, just to tease it a little bit, I read the Football Outsiders chapter this morning, and I have a bunch of little nuggets that maybe you know, maybe you don't know, maybe they'll surprise you, and I'm sure that they will lead to more conversations as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off with the biggest stories today uh, as we get started with today's Peacock and Williamson. All right, y'all. So as we get into the big story today, let's start off with Fred Warner, the San Francisco 49ers linebacker who was given a lucrative deal, uh, essentially a mega deal, if you will, five years, $95 million extension, which includes also $40.5 million guaranteed. So this is a huge deal for the linebacker, makes him the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL. Uh, This is obviously Fred Warner has been one of those guys that we've looked at and we said, hey, this is one of the best at the position, if not the best at the position. Are you surprised at all to see the figures attached to this deal or did they give Fred Warner what he deserves? Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's obviously a big ticket signing without question. And, you know, guys like Darius Leonard and Roquan Smith are keeping, you know, strict tabs on this and are very happy to see it. You know, even a year younger, Devin White, you know, maybe even Devin Bush. So there's been an influx of, you know, really athletic run and hit linebackers. But to me, none of them are as good as Warner. And Warner comes out of BYU. He was kind of a an overhang guy. I mean, listed as a linebacker, but you see that a lot at the college level where they're kind of lined up over the slot on a second level. But he adjusted really well, really quickly to the NFL. And he's kind of like the guys I mentioned, but more so is the prototype for today's league. You know, maybe he is a little light. Maybe he's not extremely thickly built or rocked up, you know, as a big 250 pound downhill thumper, but he's really good in space, really good change in direction, really good communicator, excellent in coverage, can blitz a little, certainly can run. And we'll get Brian's take on this, of course, when he gets back. But I, I think he's the most valuable linebacker in the league and the money shows it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we we kind of know what Brian's reaction is, which is happy, right? I mean, <laughs> I would imagine, yeah, <laughs> got to be really happy about this. And of course, he put out his uh, locked on now, which you can find over at BD Peacock on Twitter and see his reaction there as well, and him covering it 
And one of the things that he talked about was that like the talent, the the money here meets the talent. And of course, there's a little bit of structure. Uh, it's a bit unique in terms of how this deal breaks out. So the first the first part of the deal is essentially the five year extension. Uh, in which the final two years automatically void. Now, when it comes to void years and contract manipulation, obviously it's something I'm very familiar with thanks to the New Orleans Saints. They've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> and so, of it, yeah. Right? And so effectively, the first part of this deal is a three-year extension. And so if you look at that, that's $54.9 million in new money or $18.3 million in terms of the average per year, which goes just over Bobby Wagner's 18 per year, which he got back in 2019. And then basically the second part of the deal is that this that is that the 49ers could effectively buy those final two years back and after they voided them, uh, essentially paying him uh 21.85 million dollars in 2025. Uh, and then that would essentially bring the new money total up to 76.8 million dollars, 19.2 million dollar average. So it puts him in that case 1.2 million dollars above what is currently the highest contract or the second highest contract now. With Bobby Wagner. So they did some really interesting things here in terms of taking a five-year extension, making it a three-year extension first, and then being able to make a decision after that about where they want to move with Bobby Wagner, just in case you have any type of a fall off, any type of injury concern, anything like that. It is a contract that I think benefits the team, but also benefits the player if he goes out there and continues to perform the way that he has. Yeah, really well said. And you know, he's going to be the leader. He's going to be on the field for every snap. Him and Nick Bosa are the foundational young defensive 49ers that you just can't live without. But I do think it's interesting. You kind of brought this up before. What's the value of an elite linebacker now versus three years ago versus three years down the road? We know the cap's going to get back to normal and moving back up. But I have a feeling these guys are going to make more and more money. I mentioned Leonard and Roquan and guys like that, that before you could kind of cut corners at linebacker. But these every down guys that are super valuable, are more valuable now than they used to be is all I'm going to say about that, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And this isn't bad for a, a, you know, a third round guy. Usually you're investing first round picks in three down linebackers and in Warner's case uh, that, you know, he ends up being a third round guy that ends up getting this contract, which if he plays out the entire five years, it's a $19 million contract. So to that question about what the contracts around that position are going to look like in five years, just the NFL national media payments over the next couple of years, 2021, that ends up being 22, uh, excuse me, $220 million. But by the time that you get to 2024, which would be essentially the penultimate year of this deal, if it goes the full five years, then you're already up to an additional $68 million in terms of team wow. revenue, not including Sunday ticket. So you're going to see this you know, um, cap continue to rise starting in 2023 after the ceilinged year of 2022. Just between those two years alone is a, what is that, an $18 million difference between those wow. two seasons, 2022 into 2023. So the revenue will definitely end up affecting, particularly off of the TV deals, will end up affecting what these contracts can look like. And of course, the salary caps for each individual team. Yeah, it is massive. And I'm not a a capologist, but I do know that there's also been rumblings that betting could get involved in it. And, you know, could you imagine the money that could generate as well? So we're going to see some big contracts here, I think, maybe during training camp as well. And, you know, maybe not for this year's cap, but going forward. 
All right, y'all, coming up next as we continue on with today's episode of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, we're going to talk a little bit about Cam Akers, a guy that I know both Matt and I were very high on going into the 2021 season, sustaining a season-ending injury before the season gets started. We'll talk about what that means for the Los Angeles Rams and where they could potentially find some help at the running back position as we continue on with today's episode. You know, Matt, I think that we were both very excited about the idea of Cam Akers being a daily driver for the uh, for the Los Angeles Rams. And unfortunately, because of that injury, they may have to go out there and find themselves a little bit more of a classic that they can <laughs> uh, get out there and drive around. And listen, I know that a lot of folks are working to maintain their daily drivers, getting back in their routine, or maybe they're getting back to restoring classics as you know, life begins to sort of normalize a little bit here. And a great place that I always go to to grab any parts, pieces, or accessories for vehicles is rockauto.com. They've got everything that you need for just about any make and model across the entirety of what you can imagine. Dodge, Daewoo, Ford, Fiat, whatever it is that you need, they've got you covered. Check them out over at rockauto.com. And don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you, but right in Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section, amazing selections, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, NFL fans, we are continuing on with another episode of the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Thanks very much for being here. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, filling in today. For Brian Peacock, who's on a vacation, joined, of course, by Matt Williamson. I want to talk a little bit about Cam Akers and get your thoughts on this injury. I think we were both really looking forward to Cam Akers. He had a great sort of end to the season, had a very nice playoff run as well. And now he ends up uh, with a situation that just feels unfortunate, uh, feels like it's a big deal for the Los Angeles Rams, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it's huge. I, I was really high on him. You know, mostly from a fantasy perspective, but what he could possibly do this year and the coming years with Stafford getting people out of the box, you know, the more stretch, you know, stretching the field and mm-hmm. you know that that addition, I think, will help everyone in the offense. I like Henderson, but I think Henderson's more of a spot player, but he's going to get a boost in touches without question, no matter what they do. You know, some of the other young guys people have some hopes for, but I think that's a little optimistic. Some of these late round picks, free agent types that they have on the roster. I I feel bad for Akers because I thought was ready to be a breakout season for him. Every down guy, short yardage, girly workload, you know, Mm -hmm. that we've seen before. Um, I don't believe the reports that, they're happy with what they have. I mean, I would be on the phone with Denver for Melvin Gordon. I wouldn't be super excited about a Adrian Peterson or a Todd Gurley or somebody like that, but I, I bet there's going to be another addition. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned Melvin Gordon because he's the first name that I went to as well, and especially with them having Javante Williams there now, and yeah. you know, you could potentially see him end up elsewhere. I know uh, you and Matt talked about that over on the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. And that's kind of where I wanted to look at here was Melvin Gordon being a potential for the Los Angeles Rams. I think you probably could see the Jets get involved there, maybe even the Dolphins, if he ends up hitting the market based upon how comfortable Denver is with their running back stable. But I think that would be a great move for the Los Angeles Rams. And it would bring uh, Melvin uh, Melvin Gordon right back to uh, Los Angeles or right back over to Southern California for a little while. So, you know, he's comfortable. Yeah, good point. Um <laughs> Uh, for some reason, and, and this is really more of a fantasy dynasty, you know, the note, mm-hmm. everyone thinks Melvin Gordon's washed up. I mean, you could get this guy super cheap in fantasy, especially in dynasty. I still think he's a high quality player. I, I know you organized, you know, a, a, a list across the locked on network, our top 10 running backs. Mm-hmm. He didn't make that, you know, uh, area for me, but he may have been 15th to 20th neighborhood. Sure. He can still play. 
Yeah, he's a very serviceable guy. He could do a lot too. You could throw it to him out the backfield, which is, you know, is something that uh, you know, would be great for Matt Stafford. Yeah. Uh, who's, you know, they're going to be looking for weapons and it, it fits the the Sean McVay scheme to have that type of a versatile running back as well. So, I, but I don't think Daryl Henderson is going to be the answer for you. I think you're going to have to find somebody else out there. And as exciting as people are about the, uh, the, the percentiles that Jake Funk hit, uh, I, I think right, you still right, got to right. go and find a veteran somewhere to help out that unit. And the other thing too, that people don't think about in this regard is, and I'm not sure acres was great at it, but pass protection from the running back spot is crucial Henderson's not really built to do it a lot, especially if you're going to throw down field. A guy like Gordon, at least you can trust him in protection. Right. Yeah. That's a huge one, especially because, huge. yeah, you know how, you know that Matt Stafford is somebody that has played almost effectively his entire career with a pass rush in his face over in Detroit. No shade to Detroit, but the offensive lines that Matt Stafford played behind weren't the greatest, and they weren't certainly in, at the top. They started to get better here over the last couple of seasons with guys like Frank Ragna, who obviously you know deserve a lot more than just the fractured throat recognition that he gets. Uh, he's a fantastic center, but you know you want to have that guy in the backfield that can pick up those blitzes, particularly in the the NFC uh, in the NFC West where they're playing too, because they'll bring the pressure from multiple places. I mean, you look at a guy like Jamal Adams who had what, nine sacks last season as a safety. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the guy's incredible. And, 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 you know, we just talked about the San Francisco 49ers defense and what they bring as well. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no real opportunity to rest as a quarterback in this division. It's interesting. I hadn't thought of this angle, but you know, now that you brought up Adams and we started the show with Warner, mm -hmm. there's some athletic second oh. level players in that division that the Rams face. I mean, Arizona just drafted Zayvon Collins to go with Isaiah Simmons. I mean, mm -hmm. there's some growing pains there, but there's not a, a more freaky tandem of linebackers than right. what Arizona has. And then Wagner, you know, match with Adams, who's basically a linebacker, and Warner, who we mentioned, just all that speed and athleticism on the second level of who the Rams have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the Arizona Cardinals just added J.J. Watt this offseason as yeah, well. So there's your, there, there's a lot there that could be uh, yeah, breathing down the neck of those quarterbacks. So uh, well, speaking of quarterbacks, we have some very interesting uh, quarterback battles going on across the NFL, but I dare say potentially not one more interesting than what's going on in New Orleans with a former number one overall selection battling it out with an undrafted free agent who a lot of people consider a special teamer uh, for the most part. So we'll talk a little bit about the New Orleans Saints and some notes from our good friends over at Football Outsiders, as well as we continue on with today's episode of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Glad to be here with you. You know, a quality that everyone loves in offensive linemen is strength, right? I mean, they want those 225 pound bench reps to be in the high 20s into the 30s. And you always look for the best way to get the edge when it comes to your training. And one of the best ways to do that is going to be with our good friends over at Built Bar. Now, I've eaten uh, two Built Bars today, and I've already done about 50, 225 pound bench reps. Don't ask me to show you the video. It got d deleted or corrupted or whatever. I don't know. I just can't find it. But anyway, you can check out our good friends over at BuiltBar.com, which include nine incredible flavors that they have over there that include uh, coconut, coconut almond, cookies and cream, mint brownie, uh, salted caramel, all covered in 100% chocolate. I know what you're thinking. Man, it sounds like a lot of sugar, but really you're only talking about four or five grams of sugar uh, and 17, 18 grams of protein. I mean, it's really, really incredible. So go and check these out. These are protein bars that taste like candy bars, and they're the official protein bar of U.S. track and field, so you know that they're legit. And when you go and check them out, don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, so you can get 15% off of your order at BuiltBar.com. 
All right, y'all. It is the Peacock and Williamson podcast. I am Ross Jackson filling in for Brian Peacock, joined by Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. You can check out Matt at Williamson NFL. Matt, we wanted to talk a little bit about the New Orleans Saints here. It's appropriate as I host the Locked on Saints podcast. And of course, we got some great notes that you pulled from uh, Football Outsiders, who does some incredible work, even beyond just the DVOA stuff. I mean, they can tell you where, how many, you know, tenths of a yard these defensive linemen made plays downfield. They they do some incredible Crazy, stuff. So yeah. I'm excited to hear what you found. Yeah, without question. And um, I'm a big fan of football siders. I reference them a lot. Uh, I, I'm a believer in analytics overall, but that's mm-hmm. not where my backbone is. I mean, I'm more of a tape watcher, so I'm always looking to learn numbers. And people listen to our show know I'll whip out spreadsheets and whatnot, little side <laughs> projects. You know, so I figured I'm going to read the Saints art, you know, the Saints chapter before you and I talked, and pull out a handful of things that I thought were really interesting that. Maybe you know, maybe you don't, and you know a lot of Saints fans might out, might not understand it either, or you know some it's pretty deep in the woods stuff here. Oh well, I'm excited. I love I love getting into the weeds with this. I, I'm with you. You mentioned DVOA. The Saints were number one in overall DVOA last year. They were number two in defense, but they were also quite good on offense and special teams. So when you combine those things. They were number one in the league. I think people might, you know, some of my listeners, you know, the national folks might be like, wow, I, I forgot the Saints were that good last year during the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. I think a, a large part of that comes down to their their run game, but it just it's really kind of amazing to hear that, particularly over on the offensive side, considering they were without Drew Brees for four games. Right, right. And they were without a 100% Michael Thomas. They were without any percentage of Michael Thomas for several games, including the last three games of the season, but also without a guy that was at 100% during the course of really the entire season after the uh, high ankle sprain that he suffered at the end of week one. Yeah. And I give Sean Payton a lot of credit. And this one kind of piggies backs off that. How about this? I bet this will shock you a little bit. New Orleans finished either first or second in DVOA every year from 2017 up until last year. And their average of 31.6 DVOA over those four years is far and away the most in the league. So nobody, Patriots included, you know, has been better than the regular season over the last four years in New Orleans. Oh, if only it translated to the playoffs, huh? Well, that's (laughs) where I was about to go with this. (laughs) Uh, you know this, all Saints fans know this, but only once in the history of the franchise has the Saints won multiple playoff games in a single season, and that's right. the year they won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, they've won a game here and there, but they've not been able to do two, you know, except for once, which I'm sure is really – I mean, some of these are backhanded compliments. You know, boy, you're yeah. awesome in the regular season. You're a tremendous football team, and but now you look at it and say, you know, what if? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's an interesting thing to look at because, you know, you mentioned that statistic from uh, or the, those analytics from 2017 on. I mean, that was the Saints winning the division four years in a row, getting to the playoffs mm-hmm. four years in a row, getting as close as the NFC championship game in 2018. I don't want to talk about how that ended, but right. <laughs> the way that it all all kind of shake uh, that it's shaken out for them is that they just couldn't get over the hump in the playoffs, sometimes due to forces that they couldn't control, sometimes in situations where they just plain got outperformed, which is what we saw last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I would dare even say in 2019 against the Minnesota Vikings with the uh, Kyle Rudolph catch in overtime and, and the end zone to uh, send the Saints packing. So I think some people tend to point to Drew Brees about that because of you know his age and whether or not he was 
you know, effective or anything toward that point in the season. But the fact of the matter is that oftentimes it was multiple situations, not being able to get a pass rush going in the playoffs, not really uh, leaning in on the run game, uh, sort of playing outside of their frame, if you will, which is what you usually see them do throughout the regular season. Yeah. And I deal with this a lot locally here in Pittsburgh on my Steelers shows, you know, Tomlin and Ben should have more Super Bowls, you know, and, and I often reference, I'm like, Hey, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers had better careers than Ben, and they both only have one. Ben's got right. two. You know, when Brady has so many, it's Michael Jordan-esque in a way. There's not many to go around, and it just yeah. shows how difficult it is to win in the postseason, let alone get to the playoffs or the yeah. Super Bowl. But you got, yeah. you know, you have 50-plus Super Bowls now, but you certainly don't have 50-plus Super Bowl coaches, right? You have oh, no. around half of that, right? less than that. Yeah, exactly. Like, the best way to win a Super Bowl is to have won a Super Bowl before. <laughs> and even then, it's hard. It's very, very hard to do, especially when you talk about a single elimination bout going through the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And so here's another one that might shock you, too. The Saints committed over a 1,000 yards in penalties, which was a, a very high number. Mm -hmm. But they were also dead last with their opponents only um, being charged for 517 penalty yards. So if you think about that over the course of the year, just in penalties, the Saints were like minus 500 yards. <laughs> that's like two uh, games. <laughs> you uh, know what I mean? Matt, I wish I could tell you that that surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you lived it, yeah. But but I watched it happen all season, man. Yeah, no, it's incredible. And I believe, I remember, if I remember correctly, this is the second straight year to where they've had the fewest penalty yards against as well. So they, yeah. they had this happen in 2019 and in 2020. And then you see a lot of those penalties. You wonder, oh, how do you rack up a thousand penalty yards in a single season? Well, the easy way to do that is to commit as many pass interference penalties deep down the field as you can. And that was one of the things the that you certainly it. saw from, uh, from New Orleans, particularly earlier on in the season. And it cost them some games. I didn't put two and two together, but one of my other nuggets is, according to Football Outsiders, the Saints played the most man coverage of any team in the league, too. So 47%. That goes hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So if you're you're manning up all the time and you're in a receiver's face, you're really going to get called for those. You're going to get called for those penalties, whether it be something downfield like pass interference, but you also run the risk of getting caught outside five yards and getting those defensive holding penalties that also factor in a ton. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, here's a little offensive line nugget that I talk about a lot. I mean, nobody invests in the offensive line during the Drew Brees era like the Saints, and mm -hmm. that's still holding true. Three first-round picks, a second-rounder, and a third, all since 2013. I mean, they, they invest in linemen like crazy. And to take it a step further, they used a sixth offensive lineman well more than any other team in the league, and they had great success when they brought a sixth lineman on the field. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, if Taysom Hill ends up being the starting quarterback, that trend is going absolutely nowhere because oh, they bet. love using their 6-11 packages or their 6-12 packages, which for those listening, those are personnel groupings where you're looking at like 11 personnel, 1-1, one, one, so one running back, one tight end, 6-12 would be one running back, two tight ends, but the 6 hits the designation there because there's a 6th offensive lineman. So you're looking at 6 offensive linemen, one running back, two tight ends, for instance. Uh, the Saints use six eleven quite a bit with Taysom Hill, uh, and sometimes even use six twenty one quite a bit, where they have two running backs, and they'll put the fullback out 
lined up out wide or in the slot and then put him in motion the direction that they want Taysom Hill to run his QB power. Sometimes they'll run it the opposite way and use it as a misdirection, but they love their six offensive linemen specifically with uh, Taysom Hill in the game. So that trend I don't think goes anywhere at all. Actually, even if Taysom Hill doesn't win the starting role, because even if Jameis Winston wins the starting role, then you'll still see Taysom Hill come in in red zone situations, potentially third down situations. And I don't think they're going to eliminate him from the playbook as an under center option. Uh, a couple of small little nuggets here, and then we'll wrap this thing up. I'm sure yeah. we're getting a close to it here. <laughs> the Saints were awesome on special teams coverage, both of them. They were the best in the league combined. That helped mm-hmm. with their overall DVA, DVOA. Um, Demario Davis, I don't know that my listeners realize how good a player this guy is. You know, we mm-hmm. opened the show with talking about you know, great linebackers. He's older, but he certainly qualifies. And he uh, he got pressure on 27% of his pass rush snaps last year, Jeez. which is by far, or not by far, it's it's number one in the entire league of anyone that's rushed the passer at least 100 times. So wow. he had the most best success rate, basically, rushing the passer in the whole league. I mean, he's really something. Yeah, he's he's really incredible. And the Saints love to bring that pressure from the second level. The linebacker that lined up next to him, whether it was Alex Anzalone or Quan Alexander and those nickel packages also sent pressure about 16% of time. Mm. And so they love sending that pressure from the second level, but no one's as good at it as Demario Davis. That is for certain in terms of in terms of who's, you know, on that New Orleans Saints team. Uh, special teams is going to be really interesting to watch for them because Thomas Morstead was such a big part of that. He's now no longer with the New Orleans Saints. So they're going to be going to either an undrafted free agent rookie in Nolan Cooney out of Syracuse, who, because he played on Syracuse, who had an atrocious defense last year, punted 74 times in <laughs> the community. Yeah, he had a lot of practice to get into the NFL there. Uh, but Blake Gillikin coming out of Penn State came in as an undrafted free agent last year. Uh, I think he caught a hangnail and went to injured reserve, that kind of a thing. Nice and then they, they, they held on to him. And so he's the heir apparent right now. But they lost Justin Hardy to the New York Jets. And so, you know, that punt coverage and their ability and kickoff coverage, their ability to be so efficient in special teams coverage will definitely be something to watch going into this season. Yeah, and they were great at it. And, and my last note also kind of reflects on Demario Davis is mm-hmm. this is the second year in a row that the Saints defense has been in the top three with tackling you know very few missed tackles from this team over a two-year stretch which again really reflects well on davis yeah definitely definitely wow what an incredible uh incredibly in detail stuff over from football outsiders you gotta love them and they do this for all 32 teams which is just remarkable so uh appreciate all the nuggets love talking it through and loved being here with you on today's episode of uh the jackson and williamson nfl show if you will, uh, filling in for our my good friend, our good friend, BP, Ryan Peacock. You can follow him on Twitter at BD Peacock. Uh, he's going to be back with you tomorrow, I imagine. Right, Matt? Yeah. Monday, we're to get back at it heavy. I'll be starting, uh, you know, tra- training camp's going to be rolling over the weekend. We got lots to talk about, obviously. So thank you. This was a blast. Uh, I mean, uh, I, lo- I love you were on as a guest while I was off. And then you and I got to chop it up a little bit today and go around the league as well as Saints. This was really fun. Thank you. Yeah, this was a ton of fun. Appreciate you having me on. Such a pleasure to come in and fill in. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Williamson NFL. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson. Nola, make sure that you catch the Peacock and Williamson podcast every Monday through Friday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And don't forget to check out Locked On today as well to get all the sports news that you need in less than 20 minutes, hosted by Peter Bukowski, wherever you get your podcast. See you soon here on the Peacock and Williamson NFL show.